there are plenty of ways to pass your time in the woods. You can go hiking or backpacking. You can go hunting. You can forage for berries or collect special herbs. All of these things are considered normal. But there is one woodland act that has been historically frowned upon. Witchcraft. My name is Brianne, and I'm the host and creator of Among the Dirt and Trees, a show where we explore true crime cases that occur out in nature. In today's episode, we're going to discuss the 1662 Hartford Witches, several men and women who were put to death for witchcraft. If you want to commit a crime in the woods, you really have a lot of options. The woods offer that perfect cover for shady business. They are generally away from society to some extent and have the cover of all of the trees. All things considered, it's a pretty good place to do something in secret. Back in the 1600s, it is believed that the woods were where witches went to practice their craft. In an aggressively religious society, which is what was going on in Connecticut at the time, this was considered a crime. Especially if you used magic to harm someone. The first to be accused in Hartford in 1662 was a woman named Goodwife Ayers. Goodwife Ayers was a well-liked woman. In fact, she was such a trusted member of the community that she was known to look after the local children. One day, she watched a young girl named Elizabeth, and everything seemed fine. Unfortunately, a few days later, Elizabeth died. Her parents were horrified and couldn't understand how their healthy child could just pass away like that. It's unclear if their grief twisted their memories or their daughter was having delusions or, you know, she actually was a victim of witchcraft. But they would later claim that Elizabeth said that goodwife Ayers was responsible in one of her fits before she died. They also said that when their daughter died, there was a red spot on her cheek. You might think... Okay, so, there was a red spot. Why does that matter? Well, according to her parents, the red spot was on the side that goodwife Ayers had stood by when walking her home. Her parents became convinced that their child was cursed, and something broke loose in town. Goodwife Ayers fled for her life with her husband and managed to escape before they could be killed. Soon after, another woman claimed to be a victim of witchcraft. She was apparently saying some very inappropriate things because of the curse from the witch, and she said that it was a local woman who did it to her named Rebecca Greensmith. And worse, that she had help from others in town too. Soon enough, a handful of women and their husbands were being accused of witchcraft. 
Now, I'm going to be honest, if some pious neighbor girl started screaming profanities and blaming me for it, I probably would try to find a way to curse her. Instead, understandably, these women and men were frantic. Being accused of hanging out with the devil at a time like this is a really big deal. Then, at some point, likely after extensive torture, Rebecca Greensmith, the accused witch, claimed that she and her neighbors had a coven and that they danced in the woods and made potions together. After her confession, Rebecca and her husband were tested for witchcraft. There were several different and completely ridiculous ways that they used to test for witches, and a surprising number of them involve water. In this case, Rebecca and her husband were bound and tossed into water to see if they would magically float and avoid drowning. Since everyone believed that a witch could float, the fact that they sank should have meant that they passed the test. But you really can't tell people when they've got their minds fixed on something, and the locals were absolutely convinced that these two were witches. They ultimately said that the test actually confirmed that they were witches, because when they hurled them into the water, they did not have the fear of God in their eyes. I imagine that their lack of fear was because they expected to be pulled out of the water and have it confirmed that they weren't in cahoots with the devil. So, there is a lesson in there somewhere about counting your eggs before they hatch, I guess. In the end, they were both killed. In the years following this time period, there were 11 people accused of witchcraft in total. Four of them were killed for their supposed witchcraft. Then, all attention fell to a woman named Catherine Harrison. Catherine Harrison was a mother of three who inherited her husband's property and fortune when he passed away in 1666. Suddenly, all of her neighbors had some kind of grievance and proof that she was a witch. It seems pretty clear that they just wanted a chance to pick over her property. There were accusations that those who tried to cross her would run into her magic in some way. One neighbor said she stole from him and that when he tried to go after her, an invisible barrier blocked his path. And these neighbors weren't just making up endless stories of supposed witchcraft either. They were also absolutely terrorizing Catherine and her daughters. They brutalized their animals, destroyed their crops, and were constantly entering their property without permission to do all of these horrible things. They pushed for Catherine to be charged for witchcraft, but surprisingly... She was found not guilty of these crimes because someone came in and introduced reason and logic, basically. It was decided that the claims were not valid, and this was a major blow to the locals. At this point in time, it was 
pretty much guaranteed that if you were accused of witchcraft, you were going to be found guilty and sentenced for it. It was pretty rare to come out of this unscathed. The ongoing panic surrounding witches was significant, and people, just like these neighbors, were happy to add fuel to the fire and use it to their advantage. Thankfully, Catherine and her daughters were spared, but I have to wonder how true that really is. It's clear that these neighbors were hoping to see her killed so they could take her property. And I have no doubt that the second she was out of the picture, her three daughters were going to be accused next. But even though this family managed to dodge the witchcraft business, the fact remains that their neighbors destroyed their property, their food sources, and their mental health with all of these actions. This actually shed some light on the reality that the entire witch business was officially going too far. People started to realize that it was likely that not all of the accusations were actually true. If anyone could be accused of witchcraft, it was a pretty big problem. After Catherine was found not guilty of witchcraft, the fad kind of seemed to die out in Hartford. I think it's pretty interesting that simply not indulging false accusations led to a sudden stop in accusations altogether. It really makes me wonder how many of the other accusations had some kind of clear ulterior motives behind them. So, friendly reminder to be kind to your neighbors, I guess. The way that we view witches has changed a lot in modern times. Now, if you go practice witchcraft in the woods, you're just likely to end up on someone's Instagram account, rather than, you know, being tortured and murdered. Of course, some people believe that witch hunts just move to the internet. I guess we'll have to wait and see on that one. So, if you would like to discuss which of your neighbors you would have falsely accused of witchcraft and why, fun potions to brew in a cauldron in the woods, or ways to determine if your neighbor is meddling in the dark arts, feel free to contact me on Twitter or Instagram using the tag at datpod. Thanks, guys. <laughs>